Welcome into the Villanova Basketball Report here on BLS. Bob Long, and we have a new crew with us here this evening. Very excited to introduce everybody. First of all, we have Kevin Long in studio with us. He'll be with us all season long. Kevin, great to have you on the team this year. Bob, great to be back for another season of the Villanova Sports Report here. Yeah, it's very great to have you. And we also have a second Kevin. So this is going to get very difficult here. So we're just going to call him K-Mac. He's Kevin McLernan. He's joining us from Baltimore, Maryland. He'll be with us every single week. Kevin, great to have you. I oh, mean, I can't believe Kevin got Kevin. I'm stuck with K-Mac, but I guess that's, that's what I get for being the new one. It was either that or other Kevin, so we're going to certainly roll forward with that and uh, appreciate you being with us here this and every week here on the Villanova Basketball Report. Guys, it's time for our opening tip here tonight. We're going to take a look at Villanova's prior week that was, and in the case of today, we're going to take a look at the last couple of weeks, the opening parts of the season for the Villanova Wildcats as they came off a national championship in 2018. Guys, actually all three of us were uh, at the San Antonio Final Four and saw Villanova cut down the nets against a Michigan team that they beat by 17 points. And Kev- K-Mac, we'll start with you. Uh, a lot different this team looks as a very different Michigan team came into the pavilion a couple weeks ago and certainly had their way with Villanova. What did you see from that game? But really, as we start to move forward, uh, what did you see from that night in mid-November to where we are now at the end of the month? Yeah, I mean, obviously, completely different teams that played in the National Championship game, like you said. And I knew it was going to be a rough start to the season with those four guys leaving for the draft and the NBA. So, I mean, just like you said, from that game on, they're kind of getting their way. They kind of hit that that bump where they need it, that they weren't a top program still, that they need to get back to that. Kev, what did you see, Kevin Long, that is, in terms of the first couple weeks of this season, a loss to Michigan, a loss to Furman at home? Yeah, so even the first week, it it sort of looked like it was the Villanova of old. It looked like we were just going to roll in with the next group of recruits, you know, uh, very comfortable wins in the first two games there, but our first real test against Michigan really showed um, some of the weaknesses and some of the holes that those guys left when they left for the draft. Um, a lot of new guys trying to find their roles. A lot of guys who were on the team last year still trying to find a new role within the team. you got guys like Phil Booth and Eric Paschal are now going to be leaned on to be the guys, and, and everyone's going to be looking to them. A guy like Colin Gillespie, who has hurt part of his freshman year and now is relied as, as another leader on that team, um, he's really going to have to step up as well. And it just seemed like uh, the first couple games against Michigan and Furman, uh, nobody was really quite clear on what their role is. Um, I think Jay Wright is still trying to figure out where his freshman pieces fit into the puzzle at this point. Um, you got guys like Sadiq Bey and uh, Cole Swider who are really starting to play well and step up. But, uh, you know, he, he wasn't sure what he was going to get out of them from first. So uh, I think it's really important for him to continue to get his freshman in the game and see what he can provide to this team to, to help make up for the losses that I, they had last year. Yeah, a lot of losses, of course, the four guys that went to the NBA draft. But as we take a look at this team here, guys, this Villanova Wildcats team led by, you mentioned Phil Booth, Eric Paschal, guys that I think are going to need to have All-American type seasons in order for this team to be successful. I think Eric Paschal has the opportunity to do that. A bugaboo for him is foul trouble. And his ability to stay out of foul trouble while maintaining that level of intensity and that ability to drive really from the 
the from the perimeter into the middle of the floor where he can either go up and dunk over somebody or he's an excellent passer out of that. We talked about that a lot last year in the V's and O's. That's going to be a key for him. Phil Booth, guys, uh, let, let me go back to Kevin McLernan here. Your thoughts on Phil Booth and uh, the balance of needing to be the guy that takes a lot of shots but also making sure that he's taking good shots when he takes them. Yeah, the problem with, I mean, obviously he's, he's grown a lot since he's been in the program, but, I mean, losing those four guys that were kind of all ahead of him in the pecking order, um, I mean, it's tougher to go to five or even six to the top guy or top two guys. And uh, I think we saw him in the first couple of games taking a lot of shots and a lot of unnecessary shots that he shouldn't be taking. Um, so I think he kind of needs to find that role uh, of not taking that many shots but still leading the team. Yeah, easier said than done, Kevin, certainly on that with Phil Booth. I mean, there are times where you feel like he hasn't taken that that many field goal attempts, but there are two to three, sometimes even more field goal attempts where you wonder, kind of, could you have made that extra pass? Did you have enough time left in the shot clock to actually produce the best shot, you know, from good shot to great shot, great shot to the best shot? Uh, what Villanova talks about all the time. And I think that's one thing. They're going to need Phil to score anywhere from 18 to 22 points a game. I think that's got to be the expectation, although that's a very high bar to set. Because I don't know, Kevin Long, that we're uh, really convinced yet about the ability of Colin Gillespie. I think he can lead this team, and I think he can be a guy that can absolutely run the floor and and be the floor general. is he going to create his own shot, or is he a pass-first point guard that, as the play starts to break down, can be that outlet as it gets to Demir Cosby, Roundtree inside and can spot up for three? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, <clears throat> something that we saw against Michigan was that those three guys aren't necessarily the guys that are going to be able to create shots in space for themselves and, and make the plays happen. Villanova has built itself on being able to share the ball, making the extra pass, um, you know, and playing together as a team to be able to do that. And what we saw in the Michigan game was three guys in Gillespie and Pascal and Phil Booth trying to do it all for their team because the other guys around them, quite frankly, weren't helping out. So they took everything upon themselves to try to go to the rim and try to make shots that weren't weren't there. And it really it really showed. Those guys all looked extremely overmatched. They're much pl- better players than they showed there. Um, and Colin Gillespie definitely has some room to grow. I, I mean, he, I think he made some great strides over the offseason. He's definitely a guy they're going to rely on throughout the entire season here. Uh, but, you know, he has a good shot in space, and he's a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's a good passer. He's just not the guy that's going to blow past you to the rim, or he, he's not going to back you down like Jalen Brunson would. You know, he's got to find other ways to score. Talking about more of the guys that are back this year from last year's team, Demir Cosby Roundtree played a similar role, uh, at least in terms of minutes played, to Colin Gillespie. Of course, different positions on the floor. But Demir Cosby Roundtree, maybe even more so than Colin Gillespie, has established himself as an absolute mainstay in the starting lineup and a guy that I think over time that will become even more apparent. More impressively, because... Cosby Roundtree wasn't in the starting lineup in Game 1. That was actually Dylan Painter. And we can talk about whether Jay Wright actually was uh, believing that that was going to be a long-term solution for this team or whether after you know he just put him out there for some other reason because he came out very early in that first game, did not go back, and now is officially 
put in his papers to transfer. He won't be with the program anymore. Cosby Roundtree, though, back to him, becoming an absolute rebounding menace and showing some phases of the offensive game that I think we all looked for and knew that he lacked a little bit when he came out of Newman Goretti. Done a great job as you know they've continued to work with these big guys. Kevin McLernan, the guy that I think about the most in terms of a big man for Villanova taking that next step was Daniel Ochefu. From an offensive perspective, he came in, could have gone to West Virginia, could have gone to Temple, decided to come to Villanova, and really wasn't advancing from a big man perspective until his later years. Cosby Roundtree, I think, has the ability to make that same type of progress. Only thing is, the guy that really taught Daniel Ochefu soup to nuts, Baker Dunleavy, is no longer with the program. But you're seeing Kyle Nettoom, Mike Nardi, and those other assistants start to have that effect on the younger guys, and they're going to need it. Yeah, and I mean, with Roundtree, I mean, the hustle and intensity is there. And I mean, that's the biggest takeaway I've seen from him so far that uh, is going to get him more, more and more and more minutes uh, throughout the year. I mean, he's he's rebounding, like you said, he's diving for loose balls. So I think that's how, I mean, even though he wasn't in that starting lineup in the first game, like you said, he, he's just going to keep getting more minutes and uh, more key uh, moments in the game. This is the Villanova Basketball Report. It's live here on BLS. It's live on Facebook. It's live on Twitter. We'll also, if you're listening uh, at a later date on YouTube, we have the video feed up there. We also have iTunes for all our audio subscribers. So any way that you're getting in touch with us, we certainly appreciate it. You can also comment live on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll do your best, uh, our best to get back to you as the show goes on. So we move forward to now the Advocare Invitational, which was this weekend, a 1.30 tip on Thanksgiving. Wonderful for folks having dinner at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Perfect. You listen to the game and uh, or you watch the game, and then you can have your Thanksgiving turkey. Another game on Friday, that an early 11.30 tip against Oklahoma State, and then the final was on Sunday after a day's break against uh, – um, Remind me. <laughs> Florida State. Thank you, Florida State. I was thinking LSU, but obviously LSU lost to Florida State. Leonard Hamilton and the Seminoles of Florida State. Uh, I would say, all in all, a very impressive effort, especially from Oklahoma State on. Start with you, Kevin Long here. Uh, very impressive. Twenty. Uh, you know, they were up twenty points at times on Oklahoma State, really starting to control that game. And then Florida State, exactly the opposite. Three ball wasn't falling, but. The biggest change that I've seen in the last week and a half for this Villanova team is the defense and its ability to shut down at times where it was just non-existent against Michigan and in the key moments against Furman. Yeah, I would agree. I think the defense has been the biggest adjustment that they've made. Um, and I think Jay has done a good job of getting his freshman guys out there. You know, I think we saw, like you said, early in the season, we saw a lot of Jermaine Samuels, a lot of Dylan Painter. Well, not a lot, but he started the first game. Uh, and now he's getting guys like Sadiq Bey starting. Cole Swider is getting ma- meaningful minutes, and they're really contributing. They're able to stretch the floor a little bit. They're able to create a little space for guys like Gillespie and Pascal. Um, and I think I think Pascal has been a big um, difference maker over this past week, where they've adjusted. It seemed like he was getting uh, you know a little desperate with the ball, and he was panicking. And what he does well is go to the rim, and he he tried to rely on what he does well, but he took a step back. He's he's taken a few more threes. He's been able to you know uh, get some of the defenders off of him a little bit now that the threat of the three is there. Uh, I think that's helped him out a lot, and um, you know that the results showed. This team is still 
going to be right there. They're going to compete with ranked teams. They're going to beat ranked teams. Uh, you know, I, I think we all expected them to still beat Florida State regardless of what they did the previous week. Um, and they showed who they truly are. This team is going to take some time. There's a lot of young guys on this team. Uh, and I think we'll see them continue to progress over the course of this season. Yeah, winners of their sixth straight preseason tournament title, which is very, very impressive, going all the way back to the days of the Bahamas, the win over number two Kansas, where Ryan Archie Diakono hit the shot from the corner, and really amazingly looking back to what has come and what has transpired after the fact about this team. Now, that is essentially rolled over. And a team that's won two national championships is reloading with lots of freshmen and lots of young guys. Kevin Long mentioned uh, Cole Swider. He's a guy, Kevin, you might remember this from, from long ago, but I made the comment about Chris Jenkins and his freshman and beginning of the sophomore year. He was a guy that was really struggling from beyond the arc, but we knew that he came in as a three-point specialist. And I said, listen, he, the game is just too quick for Chris Jenkins at this point. But when the game slows down for him, he's got a shot to be one of the country's best three-point shooters. In my estimation, that's what we're looking at with Cole Swider. I think you turn around two, three years from now, and Cole Swider has the ability, if he continues to work on it and continues to improve the footwork, to be a premier three-point shooter in this country, not just amongst big men, amongst anybody. And I think he's got a shot to be the best of the freshman class that's in here right now. That's Quinterly, that's Bay, that's Slater, and then that's Cole Swider. K-Mac, asking you now, what have you seen from the freshman? Thoughts on Cole Swider and his evolving role with this team? Yeah, I mean, well, he certainly doesn't have to lose as much weight as Chris Jenkins did when he came to Villanova. He might uh, need to put still, on some, yes. Yeah, uh, still plenty of talent. Like you said, 6'8 power forward. He was the number 34 uh, recruit in the country, so the talent's there. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to take him a little time, maybe not as long as it did for Jenkins, but um, I, I'm expecting a lot of improvement throughout the year. I mean, he's got a very quick release, Kevin Long, and – what I'm seeing right now is he's rushing a little bit, and the balls are on a little bit of a line more so than I think he'd like. He's shooting shots that are going either back iron or sometimes even air balls long if he's coming from an angle. You know, I think that's indicative of just the game speed and trying to get the shot up and the closeouts coming quicker than what he saw in high school. But I have extraordinarily high hopes for this kid. Yeah, I mean, we know that these freshmen coming in are talented kids. Uh, you know, these are kids that are coming into a team that was a national champion for two out of the past three years. So we know that they're high-level recruits. They're ESPN top 100 recruits. And, you know, Javon Quinterly, he's supposed to be the best of the bunch. And he looks like he's the most overmatched right now. So, uh, you know, it's just a case of a, it's a different game. You know, Javon Quinterly, I'm sure, dominated at the high school level. That was the speed that he's used to and, and he's excelled at. And now he needs to get used to something completely different. And I think that's just different for some people. For a shooter, that's how can I get my shot up quicker? And for Javon Quinterly, it's, you know, how can I make a quicker decision? And, uh, you know, where should I go with the ball? And when do I know when to drive and take it myself? So I think... It, Everyone is experiencing it on some level, some people more than others. Clearly, you know, Quinterly and Slater are feeling the effects a little bit. Uh, but I, I think as you see this year progress, especially, um, you know, uh, talking about 
I'm sorry, not Quinterly, Swider and uh, Bay, they are definitely going to improve as the year goes on, and they're going to be key contributors to this team come March. Quinterly, still waiting to see. It may take him a little longer than the others. Which is interesting, uh, because Quinterly was supposed to be the guy that was going to be the one, and one, uh, the one and done for this Villanova team. If you want to know my thoughts on Quinterly, frankly, I, I, and he's got time to, to rectify this, but... I just don't see him playing the same game as the other four guys on the floor in the limited time that he's in there. And I'm not just talking about the mental mistakes. I think he's turned the ball over more than he's liked. But I'm talking about he walks the ball up the floor and he's just not playing at the same pace as Villanova when they want to get out and run. That said, I think he's also taken a few very selfish shots over the course of his time. Now, we don't know what's going on at practice. We don't understand to the level that obviously these coaches do and won't uh, hope to and, and won't acknowledge it. But that said, I, I see a potential problem with Javon Quinterly, and I'm not trying to halt the brakes too, too, too quickly here, but uh, I see a potential hindrance to him getting the type of time that he needs to leave early, and that quite simply comes from the fact that I think he's making some decisions that are not in tandem with what Jay Wright expects out of a pure point guard on his teams, not the decisions that Colin Gillespie is making. And I'll say Phil Booth at times takes things on his own, maybe more than Jay would like, but he's also proven the ability to score at this level more than Quinterly, obviously. K-Mac, your thoughts on Javon Quinterly, the guy that there was so much surrounding him coming into Villanova, his recruitment from Arizona and then being named in the in the in the uh, in the suit there that took down you know many many folks in terms of at least their uh, perceived innocence and and whatnot in college basketball. What do you think of Quinterly now as he comes to Villanova and his role on this team going forward? Well, I mean, he still might be a one and done, but uh, it'd be a one and gone instead instead of transfer. He might be a transfer instead of leaving for the NBA. I mean. He was a 26th recruit, uh, DNP, in that Furman loss, which was, I mean, you have to wonder, if he's not playing in that game, then, I mean, it's a problem, because, uh, or he's a problem for the team. Um, and then, uh, basically, garbage time in Oklahoma State, and then a DNP uh, again, I believe. Uh, so, it's, it, I think he's going to have to start from the bottom and uh, work hard at practice and try to get those minutes back and learn how to play in the system. Yeah, Kevin, what do you see in general with the rotation for this Villanova team this year so far? I mean, the rotation, I th- I, it's kind of what I expected. It's its kind of mixed. Like you guys mentioned Painter in the, in the beginning, start the first game. I think Jay's is trying to figure everything out uh, with so many new pieces, transfers, freshmen, um, losing so many players. Really, uh, it's going to take maybe 10, 15 games or so for this this rotation to get in place. Yeah, Bob Long, Kevin McClernand, and Kevin Long to my left here on the Villanova Basketball Report. This, again, the opening tip. We're going to have segments throughout our Villanova Basketball Report this year, provide a little structure to what we do here, and appreciate everybody being with us on our video studio show. Have the opening tip. We'll go through sort of the last week that was for Villanova, and uh, and then we'll have the, the V's and O's segment, and we'll have a pick'em segment, and, uh, of course, we'll love to get – any and all feedback from the audience as well. Love to get everybody involved. So, Kevin, we look forward here, and Kevin Long, we're looking forward to the kind of the end of uh, non-conference play into Big East play, but two very large challenges coming up out at the University of Kansas, 
And then traditional rival UConn, the Cats will take them on at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a very, very tough matchup. That's going to be a, a big test for Villanova. They're going to be coming back with some vengeance after losing the, the Final Four match to Villanova last year. Um, you know, obviously Michigan already got their cut at Villanova, and now Kansas is looking for theirs as well. So, um, you know, I, I expect there to be uh, – you know, some fireworks on the Kansas side. I expect them to come out ready to go, ready to play. And, uh, you know, Villanova's going to have to – they're going to be up to a tough test. You know, it's it's one that they um, likely may not be up for based on the way Kansas has been playing this year. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to some big five play here as we get ready to close out conference – or not conference play. Uh, Villanova has obviously won the big five for – you know, I don't even know how many straight years. It's got to be maybe eight or nine straight years. Uh, I believe they have maybe a 21-game winning streak in the in the Big Five, something like that. So um, a lot still on the line here, and uh, you know, would love to see Villanova keep that streak alive. Um, but I think. St. Joe's and Temple are going to be a tougher test for them than they have been in past years. Well, and you mentioned the Big Five play. Very, I think, fortunate. I think all of us in Philadelphia are fortunate that EC Villanova, they're going to play four straight Big Five games. So Temple, St. Joe's, they will be at home. LaSalle and Penn, they will both be on the road. But the fortunate thing about that LaSalle game is that that will be moved to the Palestra. So they'll play Penn at the hallowed grounds. They'll play LaSalle at those same hallowed grounds. And then they'll play Temple and St. Joe's. Arguably, their two bigger tests, the biggest tests of the four, will be at the new Finneran Pavilion. So I think it's also a decent time to talk about that new uh, home field advantage, home court advantage that they have here at the Finn. And uh, I'll say this. I've been there a couple times now. I've been there for just about all the home games. And it's a, it's a good place. They've done a nice job remaking it for anybody that hasn't been there. I highly recommend it. Uh, obviously, they only could work with so much. They kept the entire outer framework, including the protruding walls that kind of makes it a four-quadrant setup rather than a bowl setup. And I tell you, you walk to the top of the sidelines, go up 20-some rows in the second level behind the benches, and it still looks like you're looking through a tunnel, and they put a new TV actually coming down. It, it actually makes it tough to see the far end of the court at times. So um, a great new, certainly, home court advantage. The students are closer on both sides. Uh, they don't have the one wall of students. They have them on both sides. But again, uh, they were working with a limited product, and they did a nice job. They put a lot of luxury seating in opportunities for people to get to a lower level and the big donors to have a certain type of experience and an ability for them to pay top dollar and spend money when they got to the arena. Uh, all that said, it's I would not go expect the old Philadelphia spectrum when you go down there. Yeah, Bob, I don't have to agree with what you said. Um, I, you know, I, I would start by saying that I think they did the best with what they had. Obviously, they were up against some obstacles. Radnor Township was holding them down a little bit from what we know. Uh, they didn't want to expand the seating. They didn't want to um, you know, make the stadium any larger or tear off the roof, anything like that. They wanted to keep the structure intact. And I think they did a good job of, you know, 
adding some of the things that are needed in a, in a national champion style of a stadium, you know, a lot of the, you know, vendors that they needed to get in there and, you know, adding some of the, the commonalities you need, like enough bathrooms and things like that. Uh, we all know that, you know, these were problems that they had in the old pavilion, but uh, at the end of the day, it still has the same feel. You know, I still feel like I'm sitting in the old pavilion for the most part, everything's new and upgraded and, and that's amazing. But um, at the end of the day, it's still sort of that cramped atmosphere. You can only fit 6,500 people. You know, I, it would have been nice to, to double that potentially. You would think they'd be able to, to double the revenue. Um, you know, obviously, we don't understand all the difficulties they have with Radnor Township, but you would think that, you know, a national champion would have a little bit more pull with someone like Radnor Township and, you know, hopefully build something bigger and better or, you know, find another solution. But all in all, it's, you know, it's a nice place. It's a great place to watch a game. Uh, it just would have been nice to see, you know, more of a rebuild from Villanova. Yeah, but that cat's out of the bag, I think. I think I think that's just about done. Uh, what is done is done, and certainly uh, what they have now is, is a nice place to go watch a basketball game, certainly. And the new refreshed pavilion is, I think, going to serve as a nice home court advantage going forward for Villanova, a team that has had a lot of success in that building. And this year, a lot of teams that they play down at the Wells Fargo Center uh, aren't necessarily, I don't know if you'd call them the very, very top tier games anymore i i mean you have a a georgetown team that always has sort of been there and I, I don't know what what they're going to be i think xavier has a chance to be good but that top 10 matchup probably isn't going to be the case with chris mack on along with jp mccura and trevon trivion blew it i mean uh you know i think st john's is at the pavilion this year i don't know that for certain but uh i think the the conference itself lends itself to having Good games on campus and good games at the Wells Fargo Center, which is certainly good for just about everybody. Uh, we'll bring this one in from the crowd here. We got Dave Buzzard checking in. Certainly appreciate him checking in. Demir Cosby Roundtree, he says, a skinny Mufiaru with more basketball upside. Interesting there. We'll go to K-Mac on this one, but interesting comparison because Cosby Roundtree has had more years playing the game than Muftal Yaru had coming into his time at Villanova. That said, similar in terms of getting into a basketball program at the top level without an offensive game to complement the pure athletic defensive abilities, both obviously tremendous rebounders, but uh, that developmental process going into the offense. Yeah, that's, I never thought about that comparison, but it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, like you said, very limited offensively. Um, I mean, you can just see it. Uh, m most of his plays are from a foot away, a dunk, a layup. Um, so, yeah, I ne never thought about that. But, yeah, I completely agree with the comparison. Yeah, and the other comment we have, this comes from Seamus checking in. He says, Alan Ray would fit perfectly on that team. Well... I think Alan Ray would fit perfectly on a lot of teams, and certainly they'd love to have him. But the point is so valid in terms of, you know, Phil Booth is not the catch-and-shoot guy. I think Colin Gillespie has the ability to do that. But because they have so many guys, and we're actually going to talk about this, it's funny he even brought that up. It's perfect in terms of what we're going to talk about on our V's and O's segment about the spacing of the floor. They have so many guys that like to get to the basket, whether they're catching the ball on the elbow or whether they're starting with it beyond the three-point line. 
that that pure spot-up shooter is kind of the difference and the reason why I'm going to highlight the same guy I've been talking about all night, Cole Swider, as the guy that can make the difference on the Villanova offense this year. So, Alan Ray, yeah, I'd love to have him as well. Well, here's the other thing, too, is where's Joe Cremo? Right. He was, you know, he's he's not Alan Ray, but he was supposed to be that, that spot-up shooter that was supposed to come in and take on that role as a graduate transfer. He's already played three years at Albany. He's supposed to come in and, and be that spot-up shooter for them and, and be, you know, supposed to be their go-to guy. Um, so, you know, he, he's been struggling a little bit. You know, just like the other freshmen, this is a new game for him. Just even stepping up from a, a lower Division One school to an upper-tier Division One school like Villanova, it's a much faster game, and he seems to be struggling with that as well. But but I expect him to help out down the stretch. This is the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long, Kevin Long, Kevin McClernand alongside. He's going by K-Mac. We're excited to have him. The other thing we're going to do tonight is we're going to do the V's and O's, and we mentioned it last year. V's and O's, our weekly chalkboard, whiteboard-style segment where we're going to break down something about the Villanova basketball team. That's going to come up on the other side of this break. But, guys, as we take a look at this Villanova team through their first preseason tournament start with you kevin long and then to uk mac where is this team right now they just entered the top 25 as number 22 you know what's kind of your parting thought in terms of uh, the path to this point so i i think they're they're right about you know 22 sounds about right for where they should be right now uh they have a long way to go I don't certainly don't think this team has reached its max. Uh, I think Villanova is starting to get to the point where you know they're bringing in new freshmen every year, starting to lose more and more players to the NBA, and you're seeing more of that Kentucky Duke style where they you know they have a, a big freshman class, very talented freshman class. They struggle a little bit early on in the season because everything is new for everybody, including the existing players, um, and that's going to take time. You know, hopefully they'll be coming into their own around conference time, able to put it together a little bit. And then right around March, they're hitting their stride, just like Kentucky's done in the past with, you know, the, the Carl Anthony Towns team. And they came on strong as an eight seed in March and April. Uh, I think this team has the ability to do that to a lesser extent. Uh, but I, I certainly think that this team still has a chance to contend for another national title come March, although they're not there right now. It's, it's going to take some time. Woo, gauntlet has been laid. How about you, Kevin McLernan? Follow that one up. I think two losses is, is good at this point for this team. Um, the two losses, on the other hand, are awful the way they got blown out by Michigan and <laughs> to Furman at home. Uh, probably would have preferred those games uh, and not a loss to Furman, but uh, I think this team's going to, like I said, 10, 15 games in, they're going to make an adjustment. I'm not going to say they're going to contend for a national title like Kevin does, but uh, certainly a, uh, a tournament team. There you have it. So that is where we are right now. That is our opening tip. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, have our whiteboard segment, the V's and O's discussion about floor spacing, about the new Villanova offense with Dante DiVincenzo, Omari Spellman, Jalen Brunson, and Mikhail Bridges no longer with the squad. We're here every Monday night. Stay with us for just a couple minutes, and we'll be back here on the Villanova Basketball Report live on BLS. Welcome back to the Villanova Basketball Report. This is V's and O's, our favorite segment here on the VBR. This is our ability to go to the whiteboard, and this is our brand-new whiteboard. We were doing it on our, our old-school draw the 
Sharpie pen into the into the uh, the old plain whiteboard. So this is a little bit of a step up, and we're still going to do the, exactly what we did before, which is go through Villanova basketball, go through a step by step of an offensive or defensive concept that's either benefiting or negatively affecting the team, and breaking down how that team can improve or continue to do well what it is that they're doing. So let's take a look at the guard play on this Villanova basketball team. Colin Gillespie is essentially the main point guard for this team, and they're having the luxury because of how he's playing to put Phil Booth off the basketball. So with Connor, uh, Colin Gillespie having the ball in his hands, what this allows him to do is really start to penetrate to the basket and space the floor. Gillespie's a guy that will dribble the basketball, though, and, and kind of go underneath the basket at times. He won't drive to finish. He'll be a guy that will drive around and then will sneak underneath and find a guy on the outside. That can be a Joe Cremo. That can be a Cole Swider, etc. cetera. Uh, but what is key to Colin Gillespie's game is his ability to actually beat that first defender, something that we've seen him do pretty well over the course of the season. Phil Booth is a guy that when he has the basketball in his hands is a shoot-first guy and a lot of times will draw that second defender and has the ability to kick to the baseline or kick inside. Uh, what I think the key, though, in addition to Colin Gillespie for this team is, is the ability for either Cole Swider or Joe Cremo to be that outside force. We've seen for many, many years a Villanova team that likes to send guys to the basket individually. So let's start, in this case, Eric Paschal, who has the ability to bring the ball up the floor off a rebound and can bring it really in this area is where he loves to work on one of these wings because he likes to drive not baseline. We saw him get in trouble in the very first uh, play of the game against Michigan where he drove right into Brad Zekas and he was inside, shoved him off, didn't have anywhere to go, and got called for the offensive foul. Pascal is so good as when he can come off a wing, drive to the middle, and either get to the basket and finish at the hoop or can kick at this point. Cole Swider has shown the ability and propensity to shoot the three at just about any clip. However, he hasn't really been successful in knocking down the, the number of tr threes that I think Villanova would like to see from him. But if he provides that ability over here to provide that outlet, and over here is Joe Crema, who I think really can be a good wing to baseline three-point shooter, that's going to open things up considerably for this offense. Throw a guy like Demir Cosby Roundtree inside and his ability to get offensive rebounds. That's how this offense is going to work. And it's kind of how last year's offense worked as well. We did this on a Villanova basketball report and it's something that I don't think a lot of people uh, either thought about or wanted to admit, that that was in very many ways an individual basketball team. Dante DiVincenzo, dribble the ball up the floor, fire a three. Jalen Brunson was a guy. Let's take a look at last year's Villanova basketball team for a second here. If Mikael Bridges was over here and Brunson brought the ball up, a lot of times he'd fake a handoff to Bridges, and they would essentially just switch places. Brunson would go... Over here, Bridges would go over here, and then Brunson would clear out the floor. You'd have Spellman, you'd have um, 
you'd have you know Gillespie if he was in the game. You'd have everybody on this side of the floor, and then Brunson goes one-on-one on his defender and was the best post-up guard in the country. So while that's still very team-based basketball, it wasn't necessarily assist-based basketball. And I think you have a chance to see that with this Villanova team as well, as you as Gillespie wants to get to the hole, Booth who wants to take a lot of shots, Pascal whose ideal is to go drive into the hole and dunk it on somebody. But if you can start to change that mantra just a little bit from last year and allow the Cremos of the world and allow the Swiders of the world to get kick-out looks from three with Demir Cosby Roundtree inside to clean up all the loose change. I mean, that's where you're going to have success in addition to the top three guys that we talked about at the top of the broadcast, Colin Gillespie, Phil Booth, and Eric Paschal in any given order. You want four to five guys that are going to be able to score, but Cremo and Swider for right now, along with Cosby Roundtree, aren't going to be able to do that on their own. So it has to be created by those three guys that you're also counting on to score because the ball is going to be in their hands more than it is going to be in any of these three guys' hands. So that's going to be the key for Villanova is can they space the floor? Can Cole Swider and can Joe Cremo provide that ability to knock down the outside shots, to also open up the driving lanes for for Booth and for Gillespie, and then, of course, Cosby Roundtree just doing the dirty work down low. So that's the V's and O's breakdown here today of how different this Villanova basketball offense looks, but how they can be successful using some of the same principles that they did as last year's team, but with a different spin on it. So we'll take a break and come back. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll have Pick'em and more on the other side here on the Villanova Basketball Report live on Bob Long Sports. Welcome back to the Nittany, or I should say, Villanova Basketball Report. That's a force of habit. Wow, coming we're back. We're on to basketball break. here, Bob. Yeah, we're on to basketball. Nittany Lions, though, in football, of course, 9-3 and three, uh, on the regular season. I know we got another Nittany Lion on with us here, Kevin McLernan. But we're going to talk Villanova tonight and appreciate everybody being with us and, uh, and being on, uh, or at least enjoying, hopefully, the V's and O's segments. Anything that I brought up there that... Uh, Kevin Long stuck out to you? Yeah, so I, I think uh, you bring up a lot of good points that we, you know, just like we said, we need these guys, these newer guys, you know, Cremo, the graduate transfer, as well as some of these freshmen to step up. Uh, I think if we get a guy like Cole Swider going and a guy like Joe Cremo, uh, it'll certainly open up the floor. Uh, something else I wanted to bring in, so. Tom, our normal host, if you were here with us last year, uh, you know we miss him a lot this year on the show. But uh, he wanted to get his point in. He he said, "Why no mention of Sadiq Bay? Yeah, uh, most impressive freshman by his, uh, you know, in his opinion so far this year." And I can't disagree. Uh, I think of all the guys, he has made the quickest adjustment to this game. He he seems pretty unfazed. Um, you know, I, I think some of the other guys may have a higher ceiling than him in the long run, but he's been impressive. He's coming in. He's knocking down shots. He looks comfortable with the ball. Uh, seems to know what he's doing out there, and he's playing some excellent defense. You know, he's uh, you know potentially um, eventually a Mikhail Bridges replacement on defense. He's got those long arms, very long wingspan, and. Uh, you know, I think he's he's done a lot to, to help the cause as well, and, and if you can get him shooting as well, that just opens up the floor even more for guys like Phil Booth, Eric Pascal, and Colin Gillespie. 
Yeah, it's a very, very good point. To Tom's, to Tom's point, I think what's important to recognize is I think the reason I didn't bring him up in that in that schematic is because he actually fits so well into the offense. You know, I don't consider Sadiq Bey a pure three-point shooter, uh, nor do I think he's a guy that is necessarily – you know, the best finisher at the rim. But I think he's very serviceable at all those things. And so when I talk about spacing the floor, I think Sadiq Bey can actually serve as a real stopgap for really any of those roles, probably besides primary ball handler that we're talking about. He can be a rebounder. He can be a shot blocker. He can be a three-point shooter. And he can also slash to the hole a little bit. I think the passing is something that's going to come along for him as well. But I think it's more of a compliment. It's a great pick out by Tom there. Uh, but I think that's that's the point about Sadiq Bey. He's going to be a key player on this team, perhaps that six man. So uh, good shout out there, Tom. Sorry you're not with us. Coming off the bench this year. Uh, I say that in jest. You're welcome anytime. And there's a seat right here in the middle with your name on it. So appreciate that shout out. Kevin McClernand, I, I know you at least heard what was going on on Visa Nose there. Uh, any thoughts about floor spacing, the Villanova offensive concepts? Well, just a quick on uh, Tom's comment. I think he just was pointing out that we kind of looked over Bay in the opening tip also. I mean, I think him and Roundtree have been the two brightest points of this team so far, at least uh, for me, uh, pleasant surprise-wise. Uh, I mean, as a late commit, uh, Bay's been huge for this team. Uh, I want, want to uh, see what this team would be without him right now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, going back to your points, Cremo shot 46% last year from three, so he needs to be, I think, that guy. Uh, that can open up the floor for them and be that kickout guy. All right, time for our next segment here on the Villanova Basketball Report. It is the Pick'em Challenge. We still have our graphic from last year. Bob and Kevin, the Long Brothers, trying to look mean, not doing very well at it. But we have our Pick'em game at hand once again, and we have Kevin McClernand who's going to run us through. Run us through my picks. Well, run us through the, the picks themselves. What games do we need to pick? What are the lines, if there are any? And we're going to be tallying these up as the year goes along. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, I some, we definitely <laughs> prepped well. <laughs> I picked some random ones for you guys. Wonderful. Uh, I, have, so I have Oregon minus 24 tonight against Texas Southern. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to watch Bull Bull play. I mean, he, he does look pretty good already. Okay. Well, uh, not knowing much about uh, the, the Southerners of Texas Southern, uh, Kevin McClernand, I'm going to go with the Oregon Ducks. Mark me down when you have a line that big. I think that line tells you that uh, it's, it's going to be a total route and the easy money is, on the un, uh, is, on, is uh, to take those points, but I'm going to give them in this case. Uh, I'm going to have to give the points as well. Um, I, just as you, have not done my research on Texas Southern. <laughs> I, know, I know Oregon's a pretty formidable squad, so uh, I'm going to take my chances. Oregon minus 24. All right, Kevin McClernand, hell of a start there. What do you have as a follow-up? Uh, tomorrow game, Virginia Tech at Penn State. Uh, get, they're giving Penn State uh, – Sorry, it's Virginia Tech minus one now. The line has been changing since Mike Watkins might be back tomorrow. Okay. It's Virginia Tech minus one right now. I like the Penn State Nittany Lions outright for tomorrow's game. I would think some of the struggles that they've had would have caused maybe a little bit of a line in uh, in Virginia Tech's favor, but 
favored by just one on the road. I'm going to take Penn State outright. Uh, it's That's not crazy because you can't tie. So if I'm taking Penn State, I am taking them outright. Letting your heart get in the way of a good decision, <laughs> huh, Bob? I'll, I'll give you the Hokies. I'll take Virginia Tech minus one. Um haven't watched them play a whole lot this year either, but uh, in the interest of creating a little brotherly battle here, give me the Hokies. All right. Sounds good. Keep us going, Kevin. Uh, and uh, starting the or continuing with the ACC Big Ten, we're going UNC at Michigan. Yeah. I'm just going to say straight pick them there. Yeah, I'm going Michigan. I like Michigan in that game. UNC is a team that's very, very talented again this year. I still think we have a lot to learn about that team. Michigan has passed all the tests thus far. Uh, boy, Brzezikas is quite a stud. And I don't think that team lost as much as a lot of people were talking about early on. Charles Matthews comes back. He's the, I mean, Mo Wagner probably aside because he was a special type of player. I'll even say on a pure scoring basis, Charles Matthews, they lose their best scorer from last year. They can still space the floor a little bit. I think that one more three-point shooter is what they kind of need. I don't know that Duncan Robinson was that guy consistently enough last year anyways, but I really do like this Michigan team. I don't know if any of that has to do with the fact that they outscored Villanova by 27 in the first half on the road. Perhaps. I don't know. But I like Michigan straight up. I think my have, my decision is heavily swayed by that as well. Um, I, I would agree with you, Duncan Robinson. I don't I don't think that's much of a loss at all. Um, Mo Wagner, obviously a huge loss, but they seem to be picking up the pieces. They have a lot of those guys back from last year that were key uh, parts. Uh, probably three or four of their starters. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson wasn't a starter for the majority of last year. Um, I, I think they're they're a good team. I think they're going to continue to rise through the ranks. Uh, give me Michigan. Yeah, I think you know Xavier's doing a nice job as the point guard of that team, taking over for Abdul Rahman. You know, I think they paint him in such glossy terms, and he did have a great year, but he struggled for a decent portion of last year as well. They really kind of picked it up as a team, obviously going into the tournament. But like I said, I, I like this team a lot. Uh, this Michigan team, and they're going to get their fair share of challenges in the Big Ten. But uh, this a great Big Ten ACC challenge matchup, and I'm going to take the Wolverines at home. Sticking with the Big Ten challenge again, we're going Purdue at Florida State at uh, minus two for uh, Florida State. And that game is in Tallahassee, did you say? Yes. Man, I guess I'm going three Big Ten here, Kevin McLernan. I like Matt Painter. I like the the Purdue Boilermakers, and uh, I think some of the size that they have is going to be a difference there. Florida State has played very well to start the season, a nice win against LSU, but I think that was kind of tainted after LSU got hammered by Oklahoma State. It makes you wonder whether they're actually a good team and what you know what preseason rankings mean, although you could say something similar about Villanova if you backed it up a week as well. I think that Purdue has a chance to be a very good team as well, and I got the Big Ten 3-0 in these games. All right, I'll go with uh, Florida State in that one. Uh, I think they, they played well um, in the Avocare uh, tournament down in Tampa, Florida. I'm sorry, in Orlando. Uh, I think they, they showed out well. Uh, they played well against LSU. They put up a good fight against Villanova, who I think, you know, as we talked about, is going to continue to get better. Uh, I, I like Florida State this year. Uh, give me them over Purdue. All right, so those are the four games I think you had for us. 
Uh, Kevin, our bear here, uh, what do you got? What are your picks of those four games? I have Oregon, Virginia Tech, uh, North Carolina, and Purdue. Okay, there you go. So I think there's going to be some delta there over the course of this week, and we'll have our opening standings for you next week. So, guys, only a couple minutes left in the show here. Appreciate everybody being with us for the first iteration of the Villanova Basketball Report. Kevin Long, any thoughts that you have? Uh, my thought is, Kevin McLernan, how do you feel about being called Bear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it. I mean, just, Bob's just going to give me 20 nicknames by the time <laughs> the show's over. So, oh, You're going to have to put on a little bit of weight by the end of the show. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you a little bear board or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we can work uh, on that. All right, so that's your thought. Kevin McLernan, any final closing thoughts? I, I just think this team is going to be an improving team. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not as excited as Kevin is. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a national championship contender by the end of the year. But uh, this is going to be a, a very different team that, than we see, we're watching right now. All right, next week's game, it's a Saturday tip. They have a little bit of time off for the holidays here. Then they take on, on the 1st of December, LaSalle. It's a 3 o'clock tip at the Palestra. That's the start of four straight Big Five games. We're going to be back next week to pre preview Temple as well as St. Joseph's. And I think, I think that we still have things in the works to take on our good friends over at St. Joe's University Radio, Tony's Takes. So excited to take them on in a little bit of a fun debate video radio show style thing where we're going to talk about that game. That might be in addition to our show. We'll get that figured out and uh, disseminate that through our social media channels. Again, that's at Bob Long Sports on Twitter, Bob Long Sports on Facebook. We stream live through the personal Bob Long facebook page and then we post it all live on youtube and on soundcloud for our podcast enjoyers that don't go want to go with the tremendous video uh that's okay uh, i know there's a lot of podcast people including the guy to my left here so we have all those options for you to see us we have kevin in baltimore thanks for being on my friend absolutely kevin long next to me thanks for coming on again as always and I'm Bob Long saying so long here from our Philadelphia studios. It's a good team. It's a new team bringing on Kevin McLernan. We'll host Tom Trainer back uh, anytime he can make it and appreciate everybody watching this evening. Go Cats! We'll see you next Monday after the game against LaSalle. We'll have more information about our Villanova versus St. Joseph's radio slash video broadcast with our friends at St. Joe's University. But until then, take care and enjoy the hoops.